Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. What's up, everyone? Welcome back for a brand new episode of Collider Ladies' Night party I am very excited to get to introduce you all to Chandler Kinney, who I love the entire ensemble of Pretty Little Liars, Original Sin, but because of what your character is into, she immediately had to be my favorite. So <laughs> Tabby is my favorite character in this ensemble, and I mean it. Oh, Perry, that's too sweet. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, she's, she's a cool one. Um, all of her her uh, movie references and, yes. and all. <laughs> uh, spot on. Also, we we will get to this, but the choice of movie on her name tag, I mean, that right there was the easiest way to win me over because that might be my favorite movie of all time. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, then I'll have to tell you a little inside story. Uh, Lindsay Calhoun Bring, one of the the showrunners and co-creators of, of Original Sin, uh, her favorite favorite filmed franchise is Jurassic Park. And so that's like a little Easter egg for her specifically. Um, I, you know, I think Tabby is kind of the brainchild of all the writers in the room because it's like everything that they want to say infused into Tabby, which is why she's just like, you know, it's verbal diarrhea with the, with the, the film references um, because everybody kind of gets to have a little, a little piece of her, but yeah, but the Jurassic Park is, is a reference to, to Lindsay. I love it. I love it. There might be a Jurassic Park map right behind my head right now. <gasps> oh, that's so terribly. It's a it's oh. a map that uh, has a whole bunch of lines in it, and the lines track every single character as they made their way through the park during the film. That's incredible. It's, it's one of I have like a million Jurassic Park things in this room that I'm sitting in right now. That is one of the favorites. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so 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 cool. Okay, well then you probably really liked Tabby's uh Halloween costume too in episode 5. <laughs> uh, I very <laughs> much moment. <laughs> I mean, the the Halloween costume, the posters in a room, we'll get to it. First we need to yeah. get to know you a little bit more though. <laughs> and every single Collider Ladies Night conversation begins with this one question. What was the movie, the performance, or the personal experience, you name it, that first made you say to yourself, I have to be an actor? 
That is an incredible question. Um, I don't even know if it was one thing specifically for me. I like to say that I came out the womb performing. Like my whole birth was like a performance and I was like, ta-da, I'm here. <laughs> um, I I truly like as, as soon as I could talk and like think and create, I was doing just that, creating. Um, I started dancing at the age of three and I started in this like competitive dance studio, think dance moms type vibe. So like, you know, I had my solos and my, my group numbers and we would go to all these, you know, local competitions in, in California. Um, and then I, my mom noticed that I was pretty good at what I was doing and, and I really wanted to take it more seriously. And so that's when I started dancing at the Debbie Allen Dance Academy, which was a very long drive for my mom, about like 60 miles one way. So she was, she was driving back and forth, almost blew out her kneecap. Um, she loves me very much. But through that experience, I, I was exposed to acting. I actually started taking an acting class there. And um, I actually booked a dance commercial because um, they went to, they extended an audition invite basically to, uh, to Debbie Allen. And she sent a few dancers over and I was lucky enough to be one of them. And I filmed this commercial and through this crazy experience, I signed with a theatrical or not a theatrical agent and a commercial agent. And then that's how I started taking acting classes. So I say all this to say that it wasn't necessarily one thing that did it for me. It was more so like just the experience of creating and expressing myself through art that I fell in love with. Um, and it was a very natural transition from dance into acting. Um, so seamless that I, I don't even think I really... Um, was aware of it until like later and until I had to really decide what I wanted to pursue professionally. Correct me if I'm wrong, but to this day, you still do both, right? You're still uh, pursuing both professionally. Yeah. I mean, I, I dance less than I act nowadays. Um, I really did have to commit to one cause I was doing everything under the sun. Um, I was doing martial arts. I was like, you know, in school, I, I really just a, a child that wanted to do it all. Um, but yes, I'm still, dancing. I take a class here and there when I can, uh, but acting is the, the, the main thing for me. Um, but dance, when I get to dance, it's just a cherry on top. I love it. I love it. Uh, when you first decided that acting was like the number one dream to pursue, what did you picture as making it? Did you have a particular, you know, idol in mind where you said to yourself, the second I hit that stage that that person's at, and that I'm making those kinds of movies or shows, I'm going to feel really good about this. Oh, uh, I was, um, <laughs> honestly, I was a big Disney kid. I love Disney Channel growing up, I have to admit. Um, and so I was one of those kids that like would stare, stare at myself in the mirror and do my little wand ID, like, hey, what's up? You're, I'm, who? I'm Chandler Kinney and you're watching Disney Channel and do the little wand ID. So I always thought that that was like the barometer for success. Like once you make it, you know, and you do your, your Disney wand ID, like no one can tell you nothing, you know? Um, but I also never knew if that was actually like possible for me, especially when I really started working and I wasn't in line with the Disney, you know, path. Uh, but then I got knocked into it, which I was really grateful for. And I actually did get to do a Disney wand ID. So I, I think 
I think in my 10 year old mind, I've made it. <laughs> One of my favorite trends on TikTok that happened during lockdown was there was some sort of filter that had everyone doing it, but it was like realistically doing it. And everyone would try to draw it and it would look like some sort of scribbly nonsense. <laughs> Honestly, it, there is a technique. Like I know exactly what you're talking about. And I used to make hor horrible Mickeys. Uh, but there is a very specific technique and they make you practice and trace, you know, a very specific shape. So you do it more accurately. Wait, a specific shape as in it's not the Mickey Mouse outline? Oh my gosh. I don't want to... I don't want to out Disney right now. <laughs> are, these, are these trade secrets? Maybe I could be getting a call from Mr. Walt himself right now um, <laughs> telling me to shut up. But um, but yeah, I mean, they they have changed the, the Disney logo ever so slightly. So if you watch Disney Channel, it used to be very two distinct ears. But now when you trace it, um, it's kind of like at an angle. So it's more of like a heart shape, actually. Um, that's a little secret that I probably am going to get fired over. So. Thanks, Perry. <laughs> I'm going to be on TikTok after we're done recording. I'm going to be like standing in a room trying to draw a heart after this. <laughs> bye bye. Um, to go back to something you had said earlier. So you, you initially weren't on the Disney path. So what, what did that mean? What acting path were you pursuing and then what had to happen in order to push you on whatever the Disney path was? Mm -hmm. I, I actually just started doing commercials. Um, like, yes, I, I signed with a commercial agent first. And so that was my foot in, in the door into the acting world. That's when I started taking classes. Um, and I really was intrigued by the idea of uh, getting to express myself, but through the body of someone else, you know, it was all, all those emotions that I was feeling that I wasn't able to express on a daily basis. Like if I wanted to yell at someone or scream or cry, um, but that wasn't quite appropriate to do like in the middle of a grocery store or whatever, like, you know, it was, it was a very protected, uh, sacred space for me, um, uh, especially as a very expressive, energetic child, um, uh, to, to propel and infuse all of that energy into that, um, and also have the opportunity to, to bring another person's story to life. So that was really intriguing for me. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't, wait, I don't even remember what, what your question was. <laughs> that's, that's what happens when you go down, th down a thought path that you're really into. Um, it was, it was, what was the difference between uh, the original path you were on, which I guess is more oh. so commercial focused and then yes. making it over to what the, tr the more traditional Disney path is. Not that there's any traditional path out there. Yeah. Um, so I was, so I really like to say that I worked my way up. You know, I think some people join the industry and they get really lucky. Um, like, of course you have to be talented. Um, of course you have to have the drive and the stamina. Uh, but some people honestly, like they, they get that, that big role out the gate. And, um, that was not, the case for me. <laughs> I really did have those small guest star roles. Like I did, um, uh, it was season two, I believe, of American Horror Story Asylum. Um, I, I know the exact episode you're talking about. <laughs> I, I was obsessed, obsessed, obsessed with American Horror Story. So I do remember this episode. I couldn't even watch it when it came out because I was like 10 or 11. <laughs> I was baby, baby. Um, but yeah, but I, I did all these like fantastic guest star roles where I was working with like such incredible actors, um, like 90210 for the CW, um, I kind of was just working my way up. And then I did a little bit of Nickelodeon and then I did a couple of 
Disney guest star spots. So I did Girl Meets World, which was really fun um, because for me at that time, I was a huge Disney Channel fan, but that show in particular felt there was something so like grounded and authentic about it that I felt like at the time set it's set itself apart from other Disney Channel shows at the time. Um, so to be able to to be on that uh, was awesome. And um, Disney, I think they really like to they usually if you audition for a Disney project uh, and you get it, that's not your first audition with Disney, you know. <laughs> so I, I really went through the ropes with them, uh, but but ultimately did uh, get to to be a part of a a franchise and play a lead character, which was very, very exciting. Zombies, right? Zombies Zombies. is where you started. Admittedly, I've not seen those films, but I know they have like a massive fan base and there are a lot of people out there who are super into them. Super, super into them. Um, I remember when I first joined the Zombies family, I I was absolutely aware of their presence in like young pop culture at the time. Um, and today, uh, but I, I didn't realize how massive the franchise was. Like they had music videos that had amassed over a hundred million views. That's crazy to me. That's a, that's a large number. So, um, yeah, it's, it really, it, it's a beautiful franchise. It speaks to so many people. I think that's evident, um, not only in the storytelling and the characters, but, um, but honestly, if you look, the, look at the numbers, you know, you can see that people love it. Yeah. I have so many follow-up questions. Uh, first, to go back to some of like the earliest guest starring roles and other opportunities you had booked. Of all of the actors you had worked with early, early on, was there anyone in particular that made a really big impression on you where you catch yourself thinking about, you know, either the techniques that they used on set or the way they carried themselves even that now influences how you perform on Pretty Little Liars or anything else you're doing now? Ooh. Um, you know... Something that really sticks out to me in my career, I would say, is, is Lethal Weapon, um, which is the TV adaptation of the movies, which were iconic. Um, we did the series for Fox. It was three seasons. It was amazing. I think I was 15 at the time when I when I booked the pilot. Um, working, I played Damon Wayne's daughter. And Damon is such a phenomenal not only human, but creative. He's an absolute comedic improv mastermind. And getting to work with him um, so so closely, so intimately was so cool. Every take that we did was different. You know, every single time that camera would roll, he would throw something else out there. And it just that's really stuck out to me, you know, and, and continues to stick out to me in my career because it taught me, I think, how to be like a, a true actor, you know, it got me in the moment. Um, and and it got me being present in the scene with the people um, and, and got me off the page. You know, I think young actors specifically, when you first start out, or even by that point, I'd been acting for several years, you're so in the dialogue and you want to do it justice that it can take you, it can remove you from the moment, which really like when you're imitating life, um, when really, when you're an actor, you're, you're being, you know, you're being these people, you're not just pretending to, to be, you have to be present, you know, and that really 
challenged me, I think, in that way and, and continues. It's something that I still think about. It's something that I try to keep with me in, in everything that I do. Um, and it also just makes it so much more fun, you know, to be able to play. That makes someone the ideal scene partner. I think about it with what I do, too, because I'm a perfectionist and a big preparer. And it took me a really long time to stop looking at my questions and just to, you know, go in knowing I had prepared and sit and listen and follow up. And the same kind of thing carries over in the real world where you could be thinking miles ahead. But if you're not present in the moment, interacting with the people around you, then like, what's the point of anything? Exactly. No, you're so right. And it also is a conversation of trust. You know, it, it, it's like you just mentioned, you know that you're prepared. Um, and, and me also as uh, a healing perfectionist, <laughs> I, I used to want to, you know, do the right thing. All, Spike Lee reference. Um, do, I, wanted to, I don't know where that, that was my happy brain kicking in. Um, <laughs> Um, I always wanted to, to be right, you know, um, but really like the funny thing about acting, you do so much prep work. And then when you step onto the set, that set, you just have to let it all go. And that's such an oxymoron, like so contradictory, but, um, but he really, I credit him for helping me with that. And you're right. It totally transfers to, to real life as well. Here could be a good follow-up to this conversation. What is your absolute favorite part of the acting process? Is it the, is it mm -hmm. the preparation, the rehearsal, getting to be in your costume for the first time, anything at all? Ooh, I, there are so many different parts. Um, I think the preparation I kind of see as homework. Um, and honestly, me being like a little bit of a nerd, like always loved school growing up, very academically, academically inclined. Um, I love homework and I love, <laughs> I love doing the work. So that part is exciting. Um, and also just taking time to like sink into the character. Um, I know with Pretty Little Liars, we were actually very graciously granted two weeks before we actually even stepped on the set to have that time to exist in that headspace, uh, which I think was really, really needed and very much appreciated, especially because we, we meet these girls in such um, truthfully traumatic places. Um, I know for Tabby, she's definitely dealing with a lot. There's so much uh, that is covered up and, and hidden um, under layers and layers and layers. Um, you know, she leans into her film as kind of a, a front almost uh, to help her remove herself and not fully process things, but, but process them in a way in which she can understand and contextualize things. But, you know, she's a very internal cerebral character. And so I think specifically for, for original sin, I think the preparation time was one of my favorite, favorite moments. Um, of course, when you get on set, it's so much fun and nothing compares to that. But for this specifically, it was really special getting into the headspace of Tabby. Before jumping into Pretty Little Liars full force, it's making me think of something else I really wanted to ask you because there's, you know, there's different styles of acting for every, you know, type of audience for Disney Channel versus something darker like Pretty Little Liars. So I guess going from Disney to this show, which is a bit on the on the darker, more serious side, yeah. how does your work have to change in terms of how you act for the camera? Was there anything in that respect? that you had to, I guess, kind of adapt to? Yes, <laughs> totally. Uh, you know, it's funny. You mentioned Disney Channel and and HBO Max, complete opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> um, I'm like, oh, they're really challenging me to have range here. Um, but it was truly, I'm always up for a challenge. And it was, 
um, such an amazing creative journey for me. I think with with Disney, what I do love about zombies is that, of course, it is heightened because our target demo is like six to 12, you know, um, it does appeal to everyone. I think truly, I will say this, um, over and over and over again, it is a family movie and I, I, that's, that continues to ring true. However, the target is it's young kids. And so when you're speaking to young kids, you know, it's almost, it almost feels like that kindergarten teacher, like we're speaking like this so you can hear and understand. Um, and so, but I, I mean, we truly have such an incredible team, especially with zombies. It does feel very grounded. Um, and I think that shows in all the performances. But with HBO Max, you're not performing to like with theater, like the, the person in the back row, you're performing to the person, you know, right in front of you. It's like the camera's like this sometimes, you know, literally, actually, uh, Lisa Soper, who directed a handful of our episodes, she's absolutely incredible. Um, I feel like you guys would be really good friends, by the way. <laughs> like you guys just have very similar energies. She's, she's an incredible human being. Um, she loved using these macro lenses. And so there's these beautiful shots specifically in, in her episodes, which are like one, two, four, five, and 10. Um, you could see like, there's a close shot of an eyeball or on like the mouth or, you know, it really focuses in and, and almost interrogates the actor in a very like intimate way, um, almost invasive way, <laughs> uh, which I think is, is the point, you know, to make people feel uncomfortable, especially with a lot of the things that they're experiencing. But with that, using a macro lens, you know, everything is very uh, grounded and and subtle and real and as authentic as, as possible, which honestly was such, um, I was so honored and so, so grateful to be able to have an experience like that because that's something I always wanted to just exist in front of a camera. Um, I think sometimes you, you feel that pressure to perform, um, but to just be able to, to simply exist in front of a camera was, was a beautiful experience. So. Oh, I can imagine you, you feel it when you watch the show. I was a fan of the other iteration of the show, but there's something about like the, the darkness and the grounded nature of this one where, you know, lets them both exist and still have value, but in different types of spaces. And I really appreciated that when this first came out. I, feel, I also feel really spoiled right now. I'm talking like it uh, like it came out weeks and weeks ago. I'm just spoiled and I got to binge the whole show. <laughs> yeah, you're lucky. <laughs> especially especially with a show like this where it's one of those things where like you you can't stop. You just keep pushing next no matter what time, like in the wee hours of the morning it is. Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy to hear you say that because obviously that is, I think, an aspect that made the the original Pretty Little Liars um, so unique. Um, you know, obviously that YA space, there's a very addictive quality about it. And that's, that's an element that we wanted to, uh, to have with our show. And so I'm happy to hear you say that. Great success in that department. All right. Going back to the very beginning now, I guess kind of the audition phase here, what would you say is the biggest difference between how you envisioned Tabby during your very first audition for the role compared to who she turned out to be when you actually hit set? This is a great, Great question, um, because I don't think I've ever even consciously thought about this until you said it, and then I had a light bulb moment. Um, I thought, <laughs> I don't want to sound, okay, this is going to sound very judgmental of me, because you never want to judge, like, I could never judge Tabby. I love that girl. That's my girl. But I also thought that she was, like, 
cooler <laughs> when I first auditioned. <laughs> like I, I thought she was more like cool girl, but she's not. And she doesn't need to be. I don't think I'm cool girl. And um, <laughs> like, I think I can pretend to be, but that's not, you know, that's not my natural essence. Um, but what was lovely about Tabby was that she is quirky and she's a bit, I literally was just, I did this like Twitter live thing this morning and someone commented, you're so corny. I love it. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> but I think that's what's so special about Tabby. <laughs> but I feel like the whole, the whole cool girl thing and then that changing and you being able to like discover her quirks is, mm -hmm. is like kind of very reflective of how we process new people that we meet in real life where you don't totally. know what's under the surface. So you're like, wow, your life is great. You're super cool. And then you get to know someone and you get to know those, mm -hmm. you know, those, those different qualities that you wouldn't have found if you hadn't spent an extended amount of time with them. Absolutely. I love the way that you just phrased that because I really was just meeting Tabby and all I really had to go off of originally was just the, the sides that I was given. And so I was totally just going off of a, a couple a couple pages there. But yeah. Here's another audition question for you. Was there ever a point, because I know sometimes when it's an ensemble show, you might be auditioning for other roles in addition mm -hmm. to the one that you actually book. And because Farron's a dancer and you have a dance background, was there ever a point when they considered you for that role? Yes. So originally I auditioned for Farron. That was my first audition. And I, I was like, I got this in the bag, man. Like I'm a dancer. I literally came out the womb dancing. Like we discussed, like this is for me. And I, Perry, I laugh. I cackle. When I look back at my audition, I was so wrong for Farron. Like I was, Zaria does her justice. You know, she has the one liners. She has the fierceness. I don't know what my interpretation was, but it was not right. You were both pitch perfect in those roles. Like I wouldn't have been able, I wouldn't even be able to judge at this point because I can't picture these characters any other way than how you two created them at this point. Thank you. That's, that's very funny. Yeah. And she, she actually, I think she's spoken about this. She auditioned for Tabby. And so, and she has a very similar mindset too about it. She's like, yeah, I mean, Tabby's cool, but I, I really resonate with Baron. And so I really like it worked out perfectly, but um, I sent in one tape for Farron and they said, you know, the producers really loved you and responded to your read, but they see you as Tabby. And so then I got the, the Tabby sides. <laughs> I can very much understand that. You know, I have to get into all the movie references here because like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not joking. It is not easy to deliver lines and constant movie references like that and make it feel like convincing and, and truly natural. Like a lot of the a lot of the times where I hear movie references, even something from like Jurassic Park, my favorite movie of all time, it'll get mm -hmm. thrown out there. And then it'll kind of land with a thud where it's just being said to be said, but you make it feel so true to character, which is very impressive. But the question that I'm getting at right now is that, is there any particular movie reference that Tabby says that, you know, took the most workshopping in terms of figuring out how to deliver that particular line naturally? Ooh, um, well, I'll, I'll say, I think one of my favorites is uh, Hold On To Your Butts, which you like, because it's a <laughs> Jurassic you reference. You want to know something funny? Tell I me. have Hold On To Your Butts tattooed on my body. 
It's not on my butt, but I also I can't, can't ask that. And I'm like, is that appropriate to ask? <laughs> it's in a place where I can't show it to people. And it's handwritten by Samuel L. Jackson. He wrote it on a piece of paper. I took that piece of paper to a tattoo parlor and then I got it traced on me. That is legendary. Yes. Oh my gosh. I, I will love you. that tattoo forever. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you and Tabby would be best friends. <laughs> I think so. But hold on um, to your butt very good one. That's incredible. Um, I think the one that might have taken some workshopping just because it was uh it was it was almost like a tongue twister. I say uh I'm not just suggesting this because after Moonlight, Perks of Being a Wallflower is my favorite boy coming of age movie, but what if we went to the dance together? And I'm like <laughs> when I read that line, I said, are y'all serious? Like you want, how many movie references do you want in one line? <laughs> there, there's no limits with Tabby and I absolutely love it. No. If, if you like real, you worked at the Orpheum and had to have your favorite movie on your name tag, what would your favorite movie be? Ooh, I feel like this question can get people into trouble because like, ugh. There's, I feel I like it's also one. really easy to print out new name tags. So you could have a favorite movie today and you could have a different favorite movie tomorrow. One for every day of the week. I'll say that. I like um, that. <laughs> I mean, I love, I love Studio Ghibli movies. Um, Hayao Miyazaki is one of my favorite filmmakers. I think he's just brilliant. Uh, not only with this, his storytelling, which is so simplistic um, yet resonant, also, just visually, I I'm, I love animation, um, so I also love Pixar. But uh, but specifically with his work, it's just you literally look like, or you literally feel like you're looking at moving paintings, you know. Um, so, I mean, I would probably throw out one of his movies, like My Neighbor Totoro, or like Kiki's Delivery Service, yes. you know, Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle. I could go on. I'm I love his movies. <laughs> Here's another uh, tabby detail thing for you. So uh -huh. we do get to see her her room and her posters and everything, but it's not enough time to really explore every single corner of that set. So is there any like teeny tiny detail that speaks to, you know, who she is, what movie she loves or her past experiences that you hope that people catch? Yes. Uh <laughs> I feel like we're we're starting a trend here. There is um, a Jurassic Park book on her nightstand, and it just stays there throughout the entire season. So I There's hope I don't look for it specifically. Book on my nightstand. Oh my god! I'm not kidding. You guys are one in the same. I love it. There's a Jurassic Park book and also an Independence Day novelization on my nightstand. Oh my gosh. I I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that that would be the a little detail. Uh I would also say there's little um Orpheum ticket stubs, but I don't think you actually see those because they're taped on a mirror, which we never really filmed. Actually, you might be able to catch them. Okay. They're cool. But they're they're like specific movies too, you know. Um there's like a get out, you know, ticket stub and yeah, like all these yeah. There's also, I just have to say, Jordan Peele just came to mind because uh, I mentioned Get Out. There was a line that originally, I mean, it was in there originally and it ended up getting cut, but it's in the pilot when I'm talking about the double feature, the Jordan Peele double feature, and I'm talking about Get Out and Us. And then I say to get people excited for Nope, which was so brilliant mm. because this was filmed back in like September of 2021 and it was timed perfectly mm -hmm. with Jordan Peele's Nope, uh, but unfortunately it didn't make it, but. 
I just I would happily it. sit through a triple feature of all three of his movies right? now. The Orpheum. They're they're all like I'm I'm obs- there's there's another thing that I need to go back and just like watch frame by frame and catch every little detail in the frame that I missed on one viewing. It's something else. I just watched Nope and I feel like I have to watch it five more times to actually begin any kind of analysis on what it was, but I loved it. I just need to watch it again. <laughs> the beauty of all of his movies. That's why I keep coming back to him as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about some of your co-stars here. So big mm-hmm. question, but of everyone in the Pretty Little Liars ensemble, which two actors would you say have the most polar opposite ways of approaching their work? Where when you're sharing scenes with these two people, you know that you as their scene partner are going to have an entirely different experience. I mean, it's it's tough because I know all these people personally very well now, but I don't have a whole lot of scenes with everyone outside of the girls and my mom, uh, Sharon Leal, who's incredible, incredible on the show. Um, I would say, like, I know, I know, okay, I'm going to start with Maya as as like an anchor, as a baseline. Maya Rafiko, who plays Noah, who is incredible in every sense of the word, she's very, um, she's always extremely prepared, but when she's on on set, like, she doesn't, she doesn't need to be, like, running lines. Like, I know sometimes I'm like, what is that word? And I have to, like, look at things, um, but she's just very chill, cool, calm, collected um, approach to her work, which is really fun to work with her because... Uh, it's easy to like joke in between set or setups and and takes because she's just she's already like locked in it. Um, ooh, but someone else, someone else. Uh, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be safe and say me maybe <laughs> because I like to joke a lot. I actually do like to joke a lot um, and have a lot of fun in between in in between takes. I think some people and it, you know what it is. I think it depends on the scene. So that's what I, I just cracked it. Okay, sorry. This took way too long. If it's a dramatic scene, someone like Maya can hop out of it and then jump right into it because she is just like, her brain is freaking wired that way and she's brilliant. Someone like me, if it's like an emotional dramatic scene, I need to stay in that headspace. That's the answer. <laughs> I, I respect both approaches there and very much understand that. He's just really good at it. I, I need to like, I, I need to block out everything else. Yeah. I feel like I'd probably fall in your space and would admire everyone who could jump in and out. Right. But again, both approaches are very valid here. So spoiler warning for literally every single episode of Pretty Little Liars Original Sin. If you have not finished the show, this is where you push pause on the video, you go finish it, and then you come back and press play and it restarts right here. It's great. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm just going to go all in with a really big question to start. So oh, at what point were you told the identities of both Tabby's attacker and also A? Uh, at the right, right before they were filmed, basically. Um, we did not know anything anything that our characters didn't know. So with Tabby, and I think specifically with her story, uh, with her assault, it was very, very important that I didn't have that information. I didn't want it, nor did they offer it up. Um, Specifically with who and how, you know, it was nothing, none of the performances uh, did we want to be 
affected at all. Um, and so that was, sorry for my dog. Uh, so that was very important. friendly show. Dog barks are welcome. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, and same with A, same with A. Uh, we, I think we found out as soon as we got the script and we started filming like a day or two later. Whether it was a conscious choice on your part or something that just happened naturally. And I know there's not much screen time left after these things are revealed, but how did knowing that information change how you played the character? You know, I tried to not let it affect any performance before the confrontation. Um, but it's it's hard, you know, it's hard when you see the person. I think also like with the person too, it almost affects how you interact, you know? And so knowing that I had certain scenes coming up uh, where this confrontation was happening, where everything was going to come to a point, uh, I think... I think that there was just a little bit of distance, at least on my on my part, um, emotionally with said person because I wanted to be in the right headspace to go there. You could say anything you want now. Anyone watching? No, anyone you see I mean, how nervous I am? I know. I, I've gone through this with so many actors on shows who are who are hiding like some real big plot spoilers. And then it's just like when you're allowed to let it out, it's like your brain is wired to go in the other direction. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot, a lot, a lot happens in that finale episode, but also you have some pretty heavy scenes throughout the entire show. So can you give me an example of a time when another cast member was the scene partner you needed to be able to tackle a really challenging emotional beat for Tabby, where maybe what they brought to the scene for you, like made you feel more comfortable or even brought something out of your own performance that you wouldn't have been able to access without them? Bailey. Honestly, uh, you know, Tabby and Imogen's story is is so important and they are clearly dealing with their own assaults individually um, until episode five when they finally open up and confide in each other. And then these individual traumas and stories that were once, you know, was once an isolated journey now becomes a collective journey um, and, and mission really to uncover uncover the, the truth. And so uh, having those scenes with her, I, there's a beautiful one in episode six where Imogen talks about her assault. I truly, there, there's several takes where it was on her coverage and I was just crying. So it, unfortunately you don't see it, but, <laughs> but it was, it, but, but she was really there as an amazing scene partner, as an amazing supportive friend through all of that, um, we I, I think that that story for both of us brought us closer as as friends to off screen, which only aided itself to uh, to the story that we were telling. And truthfully, there were moments where I didn't have to have any substitution. I didn't have to have any you know mental preparation or work uh, to get into that space. I just had to look at her and be present in the moment. Um, and everything was coming up. Uh, and so I really have to have to give it to her. You could feel it when you're watching this. Your connection is something else. And the moment that the two of them opened up to each other, it's just like my heart was going to burst. You could just feel that they needed each other and then they got it. And you could feel that forward progress could be made at that point. And I wanted it so bad for both of their characters, for both of the characters. Thank you. Thank you. I will end with this one. And, you know, I know it's tough to talk about what lies ahead. You probably don't know anything at this point, but this feels like a little bit of a safe way to get at it. What is a new quality or an asset that Tabby gains through her season one experience that you would be most excited to explore or play with in the second season of the show? 
I think Tabby has this beautiful uh, optimism and and fire within her. And when you first meet her, that's so uh, hidden, you know, and she's kind of jaded. She expresses herself through, through film and, and by being jokey. And, uh, there's so much really to uncover there. And now that she's had, or has begun to actually have some closure with that specific trauma, trauma in her life, uh, I'm excited to see that fire come alive again, because it once was very, very strong. Um, and it, it was dimmed, and now I think it's it's burning brighter than ever. I love that answer. I can't believe that we've been talking for forty minutes already. I've had some many many lovely question, uh, questions and answers on Collider Ladies Night where I lose track of time, but this is probably the most significant. Where like, oh my god, like thirty minutes is up, and I kept you too long, so I must let you go. But seriously, in addition to just me loving the movie references, your energy and your fiery spirit is a pitch perfect match for a role like this and you really do stand out in an exceptional ensemble so congratulations thank you thank you so much this was such a lovely conversation i really wish we had more time but we'll have to just do this again <laughs> i know that's all it means is that there's more yeah. ladies nights in the future yes i'm so excited <laughs> anytime you want Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.